Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. So well, what they've been living in Mexico for coming up on two years, right? And um, Jen's an alumni from our school of ministry, and Michael and Jen went to church here when they lived here, and they're just, um, just, they represent you guys so well, and they are bringing the kingdom in Mexico in just such a fabulous way. Um, they're, they're, I've just, I walk into them and like into where they're ministering and you feel the presence of God. Like they are laying the foundation just for a great revival and just doing life with a newborn in another country and doing it so well. And this little baby, you'll see her. She's a church baby. She's, she's in more church services than we are. And uh, yeah, they're just a gift. And we had the t- just an incredible trip with them, seeing miracle after miracle and salvations upon salvation. So Y'all just set your expectation really high and uh, give it up for Jen and Michael Coots. Thank you so much. I'm going to be sharing tonight, but I wanted Jennifer and Chloe to come up and say hi to everyone. <laughs> Hi. So good to see all of you. Uh, what? Uh, okay. Um, we just wanted them to say hi. I think Chloe needs to go. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have so much respect and honor for my wife because many, many of you here are mothers. Imagine being a mother in another country that's not your own country with no help around you without, apart from your family. And that's what my wife's been doing for the past nine months. And it's been amazing. We got pregnant in Mexico. She was pregnant, went through a pregnancy in Mexico and gave birth with a midwife in Mexico. And now we have a nine-month uh, baby and that's been, was born and has been living in Mexico with us and is uh, actually a citizen of Mexico as well. So <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, uh, so I'm really excited to be here. Um, I, know some, I know many of you, actually, and I don't know some of you, and so you're wondering who is this, this young guy up front. Uh, I, need, I want to say on the front end, I'm 32 years old because many think I'm like 25 or younger, and it won't make sense, my testimony, our stories, because you'll be like, he can't be that old, but I'm actually 32. I'm going to be 33 soon, so that'll give you some context. Um, I'm going, to tell some, I'm going to be sharing a message called uh, Embrace the Process, is what I've titled it. Um, and uh, it reminded me of, there's an NBA player that says he's called The Process because he was drafted and he was hurt, and it was based on what he would do. And so he always says, trust the process, trust the process. And they gave him a lot of money to trust the process. And now he's actually performing up to his standards and what they had, you know, so, sowed their investment in for the 76ers. And... I think there's so much profound prophetic wisdom there that you have to trust the process, like trust what God is doing now. Um, Have hopes and dreams for the future. Have hopes and dreams for the destiny, for the words you've received. But also you have to trust the process that the Lord is doing something in you right now, even when you don't feel, you feel like you're ready to be 10 steps ahead. So that's what the general idea of my message is gonna be tonight. But it's also gonna be a lot of testimonies from Mexico, testimonies from my own life, testimonies from our story, because I believe 
the most powerful message I've ever heard come from personal revelation, come from personal testimonies. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's when someone's seen breakthrough in their own life and they've seen God reveal something and then they preach from that. There's a level of authority that's impartable that you can receive. So uh, that's what I hope to share with you tonight. Now, I'm used to teaching with a translator. So I'm used to being forced to pause every, you know, five or six words. When I'm not with a translator, I talk very fast. So I'm hoping you can stay with me um, and I'll try to slow down. And, but uh, I'm, it's just different for me. Um, I'm also used to being in like 100 degree weather and being outside. So this is very different as well. Um, again, my name is Michael Coots. Um, my wife started going to church here in 2000, I think it was 2012. She was, had been a missionary, had lived off and on the field in Central America and India and all over. And the Lord spoke to her and said, come to Atlanta to be part of Bethel Atlanta and to be part of a ministry called Nightlight, which is a human trafficking organization. And she came then. Now, I was not, I didn't know who she was at the time. And I was actually in Atlanta for a whole different reason. Um, I'm a lawyer by trade. I had gone to the University of Florida. I'm not going to talk about how bad the, the Florida Gators are this year in football. But um, uh, I'm glad the SEC is being represented in the championship. Um, and I went to law school at Mercer University, just about an hour south of here. And then I moved here in 2010. But during those years of university and law school, I was far from the Lord. Like I had known the Lord when I was young. I had, like many of you, I had uh, been in a sort of traditional denomination, um, but, but learned the Bible, loved evangelism, um, and uh, decided I'm going to do my own thing when I went to university, which many people have that story, unfortunately. And the Lord protected me in that time. And... Um, I, but I was, I, I was a partier. I, was, I, loved, I loved the college lifestyle. And I loved law, you know, being, being that, doing the nightlife. And, um, but when I, the Lord brought me to Atlanta to, to practice law. And I thought, oh, I'll be in Buckhead and I'll be making money and I'll be partying on the nights and I'll just keep this going. But something happened to me. <laughs> That's what I thought. But the Lord had different plans. And the reason I'm saying that is because I said it's embraced the process, but I also believe I want to share something that's a revelation from my friend Kyle Francis, that the Lord wastes nothing. He, he uses everything in your life. That doesn't mean he plans for you to go be a partier, but he can use that. And that, and that, that offends the religious because they're like, what? You know, you're outside of God's will. Yes, but God reroutes. He, re, he redirects you and he gets you to where he wants you. So there's twofold message. There's that God wastes nothing, but there's also a process. And I'm going to be kind of weaving between the two because those are two very important themes in my life. Um, our, our, our base text is Romans 8, 28, which many of you know, um, but it's, I, I just want to go just read it out again because we need to hear the word of God. Um, we experience a lot in Mexico, and you're going to hear about miracles. You, can't, you might not be stretched and not even believe me, um, but we see things that I cannot explain, and I'm a lawyer. I practiced law for five years in Atlanta. I have no reason to make this up. I'm not making any money to do this. I'm not getting famous doing this. I, I, I mean, like, I'm telling you what I see because I've seen it, and I mean, I, you know, I have nothing to, to gain from, from making stories up. So just, I hope you can believe me that, that I have no reason to lie. Um, but one thing that I found is that we can have so many of these amazing experiences, miracles, signs and wonders, stuff appearing from heaven. And I've seen it all and it's amazing. And every time I'm, I'm amazed at Jesus, but you've got to stay rooted in the word. And that's something that like, we're, we're starting to walk it. We, we are, this church was walking in it, but it's something that the church in general is starting to merge the word and the spirit. And I just feel like it's so important that this church, because we're such a forerunner, we have to stay so rooted in the word. So, I mean, I, I, I will, I'm, I'm going to say Bible verses today. I'm not going to give you a reference because it's on my heart. 
And if you want the reference, come find me afterward. But I'm just moving. And the, I read the Bible you know, every day because I want to, not because of a religious action. But I want to know, the, 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 I want to know Jesus. And I want to know about the Lord. So I read the Bible and I learn. And since I teach, I feel a responsibility to know the word. And that's something that some teachers don't, don't know. They don't know it that well. And they're teaching off of experience, which experience is very good. And it's part of it. But it has to be in the framework of the word. So... There's some of you today, I have friends here who I know who are going through this process of learning more about the Spirit. I just want to make, rest assured, I read my Bible a lot and I love the Bible. And if you have any questions about biblical basis for what we're experiencing, come talk to me afterwards and I'd love to share it with you. So um, let's go to Romans 8, 28. Now this is a famous scripture, Paul. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of writing ever. I mean, it's uh, in, in the book of Romans, it's just this like beautiful treatise uh, and it's Paul's doctrine and it's just this, the whole salvation experience of what happens when you get saved and you receive the Holy Spirit in your heart as a seal. And in Romans 8.28, we all know this verse and sometimes it's read out of context, but it's, I'm expecting to have to read this and have a translator. So this is weird for me. I'm gonna read it myself. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It says, we know, so there's a certainty there that um, for those who love God, which I hope is majority of you here, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity later. If you don't know God, we'd love for you to, to get to meet him today because he's here right now. His presence is here and he's actually brought you here because he wants to know you and in a relationship with you. Um, but those who love God, it says all things work together for good. That's all things. That's not just the Christian things, the biblical things. The, that's all things. And when I see all, I think the translation is all. So even those, even those, my, my story where I was not following the will of God, guess what? God's using that for his glory. That's how he does it. And he makes you think, he's so good, he makes you think that was what he wanted. He wanted you to do that. And that's not true. <laughs> he did not want me to be out, you know, drunk and buckhead at 2 a.m. I'm just being honest. That was not what God wanted for my life. But you know what? Now I have authority with alcoholics. Now I have authority in the bars. Now I have authority with people who are struggling with addiction. And they listened to me because I struggled with it. Now that wasn't his will for me to be, you know, to do that, do that to my body, do that to my life. But he's redeeming it. And I think some of you need to hear that today and get out of the shame cycle. Because you're in a shame cycle of what you did. You're, you're living in the past. And God says, that's not you anymore. You have Christ in you. And there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So move forward. Don't be proud of what you did, but, but, be, but embrace what God is doing in your life and use that as ammunition to take down the devil, all right? <laughs> um, and then he says, for those who are called according to his purpose, which I believe is those of us who are believers. I mean, I, I believe we all have a purpose in God, every person, but those of us who are believers are, are called according to his purpose. Now, I wanted to read um, the Passion Translation version because many of you know that. It's Brian Simmons. He's preached on this, well, another stage, but at this church before, he, he did, he did, he's done like a, sort of a new translation that he's, it's really beautiful and I love to read it along with the ESV or a more literal translation because it helps me see the Bible in a new way. Now, some people have struggled with the message or these types of translations, but I encourage you, sometimes you need to just look at the Bible in a new way. Read another translation just to, because you're not reading the Greek and you're not reading the Hebrew, so you're reading, it's all a translation anyways. But it helps me, because we get in these routines, oh yeah, for all are called according to his purpose, da, da, da. but you're not even thinking what it says and all the meat that's there. So sometimes you need to just reset and read something else. 
Sorry, I'm going back. This is what it says in the Passion Translation. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. Isn't that beautiful? Woven together. And that's all the bad stuff too. That's what my, my friend Kyle got this revelation a few years ago. He said, you know, God is like a Native American. He's like a Plains Indian. The Plains Indians would take the buffalo and they wasted nothing, no part of it. They didn't waste the hoofs. They didn't waste the dung. They used dung for manure. They used the, the organs to wrap the wagon wheels. They used the skin for warmth. They used, they used every single part of, the, of the, um, the buffalo. The parts that most of us would just throw away. The, the Plains Indians used it. That's what God does in our lives. Even the bad parts, even the dung, he's using for fuel. And I think it's a powerful revelation that I am reminded of constantly. And that goes to that same context of he wastes nothing. Okay. So embrace the process. Trust the process. So I was going through those, those years of, of being outside of the Lord's will. Now, I still had this, you know, God was calling me, and that's what he does. And some of you that were saved when you are young and then went away, you know that feeling. It's like every now and then, like, you'd feel like this tugging. It's like, oh, man, I'm... I'm I feel some conviction. I feel some, some, the Lord's calling me back to church. So maybe you'll go to church and then you feel good and you leave and you go back into what you're doing. And that was going on. So I knew that the Lord was calling me back, but then I had a friend invite me um, to go to, to church with her. Go to Buckhead Church at North Point, one of the North Point services. And I walked into the service and I hadn't really been involved in church in a while. And I experienced just the presence of God. Now, some struggle with that because it's a seeker church. The presence of God was there. He was there. And there's people that are getting saved in those churches every day, every week. And that's what happened in my life. So I honor what's going on in those churches. And I think we all should. <laughs> um, and the Lord started to woo me back into repentance because of his goodness. It says in Romans that it's the kindness or the goodness, depending on the translation you read, that leads you to repentance. The kindness of God. That's what drew me back into him was how good he was. I was like, I don't, I don't really want to go drink anymore. I want to be with God. I, and if you've been drinking, like, heavily for seven years, it's, that's a miracle to, like, not want to go do that, you know? And so I look at it now, and I'm like, man, when I go out in the streets of Mexico, and this is, I'll explain. So we, we did a lot of ministry here in Atlanta as well, but when I, I'll just use Mexico for an example. There's a lot of people struggling with alcohol addiction. It's a, very, it's, it's a stronghold in that nation because there's, I don't know, for whatever reason, there's a lot of people that struggle with alcoholism. So I'll go up and they see this guy who's clearly not Mexican and I start sharing with them about Jesus and how much he loves him. And then they kind of look at me like, what do you know? Who are you? And I'm like, well, you know, I struggled with alcoholism for seven years. They listen. They all of a sudden, they, now I've got their ear because I experienced what they're experiencing. That God's redeeming something that he didn't intend for my life, but he's redeeming it for his good and for his glory. And some of you need to hear that. <laughs> um, there's also, I was... Because I love to be in the party, I was passionate. I had a lot of zeal for whatever I was doing. And if it was to go out with my buddies, it was to go out with my buddies. Well, that was the enemy perverting part of my life. Because he knew if this guy gets set on fire with the, the wine of the Holy Spirit, watch out. Because he loves people. He loves to include people. He loves to be passionate. And, that's, and so some of you, the thing that you're struggling with is exactly what the Lord's called you to be the, have authority over like, there's something that's from your past, and you're like, man. And I'm not saying, like, for me, it took, it took years, probably a few years, to be free 
of that, of that, of that temptation, of that stronghold, to be able to go back into bars to minister. With, with Bethel Atlanta School Ministry in 2013, I was able to go back in and do ministry in the bars where I used to hang out. But it took me years because of wisdom. I knew I needed need to go back in there for a while. But once the Lord truly gave me peace and freedom to go back, I could. But that, that, that thing that is just holding you back is sometimes the thing that you're going to have authority over. And that's going to be your ministry call for some of you. And I just need to share that with you. Um, now, I'm here on a stage now, but three years ago, I was sitting out there in a crowd watching people come up here. And I'm just like, wow. Listen to their stories. Listen to the stories of Todd White and, and Chris Vallotton and all these amazing people and, and Steve Hale and these leaders from Bethel Atlanta and, and Blake Healy and all these people. And they're coming up on stage and they're sharing these, what they're seeing God do and what God's doing and all these miracles and stuff. And I'm like, wow. And then I get to hear testimonies from Leif Hetland and Frontline. And I'm like, man, and Sherry Lewis. I'm like, look at them. They're just doing it. They're going out there. Well, now I'm doing the stuff they're doing. You know, and it's because I had that dream in my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Like, honor those people. Honor the stories. Honor the testimonies. Feed on the testimonies. Feed on the stories. Like, man, I was so hungry when I got back into the church back in those years. Um, I would go anywhere. Anywhere there was some, some person of God that had some, you know, authority or, or, or moved in healing or whatever, I would go find him. I mean, I would drive up to Snellville. I would drive out to Lawrenceville. I drove to Powder Springs to see James Maloney. Like, there was nobody there. There were 50 people there. James Maloney sees metal dissolving bodies, and he's known for that. And I went to this little church, and there were 50 people there. And I was like, I'm going to see this guy minister. And I received, you know, received an impartation from just being hunger and going and saying, you know what? I'm not going to do that on a Friday night. I'm going to go see this guy. And I did that for years because hunger compelled me. Hunger compelled me to go, because I knew there was more in God. And I was feeding on these stories, and I was like, I'm going to go. And I, if, it's just, if, it's, if I can go there for 30 minutes just to be in the service and hear, and hear what their stories and, and really receive the impartation, I'm going to go do it. And I know there's people here right now that are hungry, and you're ready to see God do some stuff. And you've been praying for healing. You've been praying. For, you've been prophesying. You've been casting out demons. And you've been going for it, but you just haven't seen that breakthrough. Keep going for it. Keep going for it. Don't give up. The word's the same. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's what it says. If you believe, these signs will follow. That's what the Bible says. That's not changing. Despite, and that, that's, that was something I had to realize on my own because when I got this revelation that Jesus heals, it was through my friends over here, Jordan Pedron and some of these guys right here. We, they were starting to tell me about God heals. And I was like, what? God heals now? I mean, I guess I understand that, but I, I wasn't raised in a charismatic or Pentecostal church, so it was completely new to me. He's like, yeah, but he was like, just go read your Bible and, read, and t- come back and tell me what you find about healing. I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, healing is everywhere. How, how did I miss this? You know, 20-something years of supposedly, you know, in the church, which I was, I was never actually reading it literally like, oh, Jesus really healed everyone he prayed for, you know? Um, and then apostles prayed for the sick and they got healed. And then people who weren't apostles prayed for the sick and they got healed. And Paul's writing letters to churches saying, oh yeah, this is healing. And, you know, churches that are not apostles, they're just people in, you know, in Greece. And I'm like, wow, healing is important. And, and then he's like, see if you can find anywhere in the Bible that, you know, healing stopped. So I started reading the Bible. I'm like, I don't see that anywhere. In fact, I see Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why are, why are we coming up with all these doctrines and excuses why we don't see miracles? And I was frustrated. I was like, why, why have I been taught this? This is not true. Because, I mean, I have, to believe, and I have to believe what the Bible says. Okay? So based on that word and based on my friends, you know, introducing me to, like, Bill Johnson's teachings, Randy Clark's teachings, these, these great men of God, Heidi Baker, I was like, wow, well, God must heal. So 
what did I do? I went and prayed for the sick. That's because that's what it's said to do, lay hands on the sick, right? And many of us believe that up here, but we're not doing anything about it. We're not laying hands on the sick. So I was like, okay, I'm living in Buckhead. You know, I'm working, I'm wearing a suit to work every day, uh, working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. How am I going to, you know, when am I going to do this? Well, I go to a grocery store. I go to a gas station. I walk in the street. I'm on the bus or whatever. There's people out there that need healing. So as, they, as my friends know, I started going crazy, praying for everybody that needed healing. And I did this. I'd be in the grocery store, like a Publix in Buckhead, you know, and, and I'd see someone on a wheelchair or, or in a, a crutches, and I'd go, hey, excuse me, I know this is weird, but Jesus heals today. Can I pray for you? And you know what? Usually they said, sure, why not? I mean, if you're, if you've, if you've, if you, you, everybody wants to be healed, right? I mean, if you, if you have a sickness or disease, you want to be healed. Most people do. Actually, some don't, but majority do. And um, some really don't because they, they fall into this victim cycle, and they want to the care. And that's actually something that needs to be broken if you want to see victory and healing. So that's a question. If you're not seeing breakthrough with someone, ask them, do you really want to be free? Do you really want to be healed? Because some like the care and the attention they get in being sick, and they fall into that. That's a side note. Um, but I, I, I saw, I, and this, I, I'd pray for people, and I'd be like, in Jesus' name, be healed. Just like he did. In Jesus' name, be healed. For a few months, I didn't see any healings. And it was discouraging, but I was like, you know what? The Bible says Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And I have to believe that this is the truth. And so I kept going for it. And I prayed for people in gas stations. I prayed for people on the side of the road. I prayed for, you know, and just kept praying. And some of you need to hear that. Keep going for it. Keep praying. You know, the word does not change. But what you're doing when you do that, you're building a history with God. Because you're trusting the word and not your experience. See, that's where a lot of people have fallen off is because they haven't experienced healing. Therefore, they build a doctrine and say, well, Jesus doesn't heal now. Or maybe sometimes he doesn't, but his will is not to heal, which... As Bethel, we know, God's will is always to heal. That's his will. Now, whether they get healed or not is different, but his will is to heal, and I believe that. So you have to believe that fundamentally to even do this. Because if you don't, if you have any doubt about God's desire or will to heal, then you're not going to see victory and healing because there's always going to be that doubt. Well, maybe he just didn't want to in this instance because he's trying to, to prove something. And, and you have to believe that. You have to believe God is good. You have to believe that his will is to heal. So one time we were in... Um, English Avenue, which some of you know that neighborhood. Um, we were there ministering on Easter Sunday. I had some friends from IHOP, the House of Prayer. They invited me to go with them and minister. And I was like, yeah, come on, let's go do it. And they had made some friendships there. And we were grilling out and we were preaching the gospel. And it was just awesome. And I see this guy come walking down the road, just his legs are like this. He's got the F word written across his shirt. He's cussing. And I'm like, oh, man. And I felt the Holy Spirit like that. Go pray for him. I'm like, oh, this guy. And I'm like, all right, Jesus. And see, that's sometimes too. Sometimes it's the most inconvenient moments. And sometimes it's the ones that you don't want to. That's where your breakthrough is. And you just got to, you have to be obedient. And if you feel fear, well, that's not from the Lord. Because he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So if you feel fear, it's usually an invitation. I've heard Chad Debman say, fear is an invitation to breakthrough. Because fear is not from God. So it comes from the enemy. So when you feel like fear, what if that person doesn't get healed? That's not from Jesus. That's from the enemy. So you go through it, and that's where your breakthrough is. It's a great word, and I still use it today to teach, but I attribute it to Chad Denman. <laughs> um, so I see this guy walking the road, and he said, and I, and I went up to him, and he's cussing, and I was like, hey, I, th- I could tell, I think he was demonized. And I said, hey, do you, um, I see you need some healing in your knees or some problems. Can I pray for your, pray for your knees? And he said, sure, why not? You know, of course. Hey, I go, what's the problem? And he's like, well, I'm missing some ligaments, or they're just not there. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> Jesus can, can heal that. 
And this was, again, I hadn't seen any healing yet. You know, I'd, I'd seen him in like Jesus culture events from a stage, and I, but I'd never done it, been part of it. Um, so I was like, all right. Well, I was like, can I put my hands on your knees? I asked permission because I didn't want to disrespect him. I didn't want to dishonor him. He said, sure, why not? So I put my hands on his knees. I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, be healed. Just like Jesus prayed in the Bible. Short prayer, authoritative, be healed. I said, test it out. Do you feel anything? He goes, no, no change. And I was like, ah, oh, man. All right, let's go again. I was like, hey, can I pray again? I go, Jesus prayed twice, so let's pray twice. Pray for his knees. I was like, and he said, sure, go ahead. I don't have anything else to do right now. So I prayed for him again. <laughs> Nothing. And I was like, ah. And then I was like, well, you know, the Bible, sometimes Jesus had people do acts. Like they had them do something that they couldn't do. And when they did it, that's when the healing was released. So this guy has problems walking, so let's maybe try to walk some and see if that releases, you know, the healing. I don't know. That's what Jesus did, right? He said, stretch out your hand. And then the person stretched out their hand, they were healed. Or pick up your mat and walk. They picked up their mat and did something they couldn't do, and then they're healed. Um, so that's another tip for you that want to pray for healing. Have them do something they couldn't do. You've heard this if you've ever followed Randy Clark, but, man, that's where I've seen the most breakthroughs when I'm like, push in a little more. Don't just give up. Just keep pushing. Keep trying new things. There's a key there somewhere. I, I, and I don't always know what the key is. And I've prayed for some people who've never gotten healed, but I've seen a lot that have. Um, so this guy, I said, let's start walking. So I just put my arm around him. Because the, the, the aim was to show him love, right? If, if it's just healing, then it's not, it's nothing, right? That's what it's, a, but I said, hey, and I said, I'm going to walk with you. And let's just, let's keep, so me and this guy start walking. And we're out there walking down English Avenue. And I mean, it probably looked pretty strange because they might, I, I, there's not many guys that look like me on that street in English Avenue. <laughs> And I'm holding a, a guy who probably is, uh, has some issues, and I've got my arm around him. I'm walking down the street. But I watched his legs straighten up as we, as we walked. Just boom. And I was like, all right. But I didn't want to tell him that because I wanted to ask him. So I didn't want to put anything in his mind that wasn't. So I was like, hey, is there a difference? He goes, starts walking. He's like, what? what? Who are you? What, what is this? And I was like, it's Jesus, man. Jesus just healed your knees. And he was like, oh. he starts calling up people. Hey, my, my sister has cancer. We pray for Hey, <laughs> Amazing, right? That guy, his face changed the countenance. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that, but you pray for someone who's been demonized or even someone that's tormented. You'll see a little countenance change. Like their face will like, it's just like, I can't explain it, but... It's like whatever was oppressing him was gone. And he was, I saw him get in line to get food. And he's like, thank you. Yes, ma'am. So the guy who was cussing and walking down the street with the F word on his shirt is now polite and in line. And I believe he received Jesus when they preached the gospel. So that was one. And I said, okay, I got one testimony. All right, I got one. And I can go back to that one. And sometimes it's that one testimony that you'll ride the rest of your life. If you ever study the life of Reinhard Bonnke, he, that guy has believed for millions of dollars in finances, probably billions at this point, just to show up for his crusades in Africa. And, it's, and if you read his autobiography, it started with like $2 that someone gave him to ride a bus that he believed for when he didn't have any money, when he was like a college student. And he still believes when he's asking for a million, all right, that $2 when I was 18, that $2. We have to use our testimonies to fuel our faith and to fuel us. And it's that history that you're building. It's not like you're earning anything, but look at this. It's like in a relationship, man. Like, if I'm in a relationship with someone, like, you do things over time, they start to trust you. They're like, all right. Because if, if I was just, and some of you will go and pray for the first person. You'll be saved, and you'll pray for the first person that's sick that you come across, and they're going to get healed. And God can do that, and I believe it. And that's awesome, and we should believe for that, right? But some people, if you do that, and you saw the healing, all of a sudden, if you're not, it'll start going to your head. Wow, look at me. I'm the big healing evangelist. 
this history of months of me praying, you know, me, me praying and seeing failure, well, guess what? I know it's not me. I know it's him because I've seen when people aren't healed. But I would say we don't know what happens the next day. We don't know what happens the next week. And I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to have a whole lot of stories of like, hey, remember that guy you prayed for in Starbucks? They got healed the next day, but you never saw him again. We have to believe that because in the spirit, Blake could probably tell you this, but in the spiritual realm, I'm sure something happens every time we pray. I don't know, for, I don't know, but I have to believe that. Okay, I'm getting the okay. I, it has to happen. <laughs> I have to believe it because we're, we're obeying God. We're loving people. We're releasing the kingdom. He says, you know, when we release the kingdom of God on someone, that something has to take place. So, gosh, I'm going, I'm so, I'm so good on time. Okay, so... That, that's go, that's, that, I, was, I was like in an incubator with these, some of my friends over here. Don't go to Bethel. There's, we were part of a community of just radical, and people around here, we were just radical going for God. We were like, man, we, we, we want more of God. There's people from all different types of denominations and churches, but we just wanted to be in the presence of God, and we wanted more. And so we would gather and worship, and we would, for fun, go out to the streets and minister. We would just be like, hey, let's go out and walk around, you know, um, Gosh, I can't remember the names of places now. Let's go walk around Piedmont Park and pray for people. Let's go down to the streets. Let's go to Georgia Tech and walk around on campus and pray for students. Let's go pray for the Muslim and Hindu students that are on Georgia Tech's campus. Because they receive blessing. Like, I saw that when I'd go there and pray for people from other nations. Some of them have never heard of Jesus, ever. And they're on that campus in our city. And you can go there and tell them about Jesus. And we would do that for fun. And we saw some miracles. We saw some not. We saw some people touch. Some people thought we were weird. But you know what? We were building a history with God. We were going for it. We were just like, you know, God wants to show up. And so we also, my, Jen and I started, well, backtrack. So it's 2012-ish. I just got introduced to Bethel. I start serving in this ministry called Nightlight. We're ministering and with human trafficking, seeing God do crazy stuff on the streets of Atlanta. And some of the most dangerous areas of Atlanta, we were out in the streets till 2 a.m., seeing just God do wild things, um, just building up that faith muscle, you know, just going for it. Fear was just being demolished. Um, and, but, but I wasn't seeing quite what I'd hoped for in terms of the healing and stuff because I was like, God, this is earnestly desire for spiritual gifts. That's like a, like a real longing. And that doesn't mean, well, it'd be nice if he gives me the gift. It means no, desire it, like, like contend for it. And so I was like, I really want to see healing, God, because Jesus is healing. Like God, is, his name is healing. It's Jehovah Rapha, it's healing. I want to see healing, but I can't separate that from Jesus, you know? So I'm like, I got I to gotta see this. And so I'm like, well, where, where, where are sick people? Well, they're at the hospitals, right? I mean, that's where, you, that's where sick people are, or they're under the bridges, or, you know, there's sick people everywhere, but that's where, like, concentrated sick people who are desperate are. So we started going to the hospitals. We started going to Grady Hospital and trying to sneak into emergency rooms and doing all kinds of crazy stuff to pray for people. I mean, we did that stuff. We were doing it just for fun because we wanted to see God move. And you know what? In that town, we were building this history with him. And we started seeing miracles. I mean, we saw verified miracles on the streets of Atlanta. So when it says it only happens in Mexico or in Africa, that's not true. It's happening in this city, and it's going to increase. And I felt when I was over there in worship that God's love for this church and God's love for what's happening here, um, I, I felt almost emotional because it felt like a family is truly being formed um, in this place. And there's people coming from all different backgrounds and cultures and denominations because you're, you're, what I'm seeing right now is, is Atlanta. I'm seeing what Atlanta looks like. And for some of you, this is your first time here. For some of you, you've been going here for 10 years. But God is forming something. And he's going to use this church to really catapult the church in Atlanta into the supernatural, into healing the sick. And I've, I believe there's an upgrade 
in healing. That's why I'm sharing this right now. That's why I really, I've turned it to healing because like there shouldn't be someone, I mean, we should have, we're this church, which is, which is the way we are, but people should be coming here because they they've heard there's healing here. Like they should just be coming like, hey, Bethel Atlanta, there might be 300 worshipers, but there's healing happening there. You know, there's healing happening there. You can walk in the doors and you can feel the presence of God and there's healing happening there. And it shouldn't just be because it's Justin or someone that's got a healing gift, but it should be everyone here. And that's something that I loved about this church from the moment that I showed up the first time in July 1st, 2012, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Bethel, Atlanta, at the old ABC building, is people were just praying for people everywhere. Like prophesying, giving words, praying for the sick. It was like you couldn't even walk in the doors without someone hey, I've got this word for you. And I don't know, I haven't been here in six months or consistently in about two years, so I don't know where we're at, but that should be the place that we are, where people, when they come in, they hear the destiny in their lives. Yes. And if you're trying it out, this is a great place, to practice, great place to practice. It's safe. Hear from God. Prophesy love, encouragement. Pray for the sick. And I just feel like I'm supposed to share that with you. Amen. What we're doing in Mexico, I haven't even gotten to Mexico yet, but we moved there, gosh, I the process. I was in Atlanta working as a lawyer, at a, wearing a suit every day, working in Midtown, the, the American dream. And I just I completely honor my bosses and my, the job I was in because they, they really get, took a chance on me. And when I got to Atlanta is when I encountered Jesus again. So there's purpose behind everything. But in the first years when I had this encounter with God and I'm like, man, am I supposed to sit here in a desk for 12 hours a day? And like, you know, I just feel this like longing to be out there and to be, you know, a missionary. And the Lord started speaking about going to the nations. And I, I felt, I think it was 2012 around the same time that I felt like the Lord told me, your life is going to be in the nations. And I was like, whoa, that's not what my financial picture looks like as law school debt, university debt. Some of you know that. But I was like, well, that's a promise. And some of you have words and promises over your lives and you've been, and you're like, well, you know, that's not going to happen because of finances or I'm not married yet or I'm a family or, or some, you know, you, you, we have many different things that we can say, our, our security or whatever. But hold on to those promises. Just hold on to them in your heart, carry them and pray about them. But you can also start doing things in the process because like in that time I, I could have been like, you know what, I need to just quit and go to the nations. Well, I had a hundred and something thousand dollars in debt. That wouldn't have been wise, would it? I mean, I would have still had to pay that money eventually and God could have erased it. But I had that promise in my heart that I was going to the nation. So in four years, I paid off all my student loan debt because I was carrying that promise in my heart. Now I was living frugally and I was being wise on money and I was giving extravagantly and my debt just dropped. And then right with the three days before I got married in 2014, I paid off all my debt. And it was like $160,000. So, <laughs> and that was in four years. Now, I had a good job, but also I was just determined. And I was like, God, you've said this promise in my life, and I've got to carry this, and I've got to, be, I've got to honor it. And I embraced the process that I was in. But I was just like, well, I've still got a couple years. And am I just going to sit here and be like, man, I just wish I was out there. Wish I was out there in the nations. Like, that's where everything's happening. And the Lord corrected me in that. And it's like, you have a mission field right around you. You're in a corporate world, which there's, I mean, they need God. They need the presence of God. I was sitting on a 20th floor, and like, you know what? There's a lot of stress around here. Maybe I can bring peace. Maybe I can bring love. Maybe I can bring encouragement to some of these people. And I would just get in, the, so I started going to the office like an hour early. Jordan can attest to this. I'd get there an hour early and pray. I'd just pray in my office. One day my, my boss busted in. He's like, wow, it's really hot in here. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, and, I, and then I started getting bold. I was like, you know what? 
I know what I believe. And I'm not going to offend anyone, but I'm not going to be ashamed. So I started praying for people in, in the office. I was like, you know what? Like, if they want to get rid of me because I'm praying for someone that needs healing, then that's fine. But no one ever said anything to me, by the way. But I started praying for people. And then I started finding out in my office, there were like charismatic believers, tongue talkers, people, <laughs> people who love Jesus. And I was like, all right. But they never told anyone because they kind of felt like they had to keep it. But then I started asking people about Jesus and stuff and started forming these connections and relationships and encouraging them, praying, encouraging, and just being a light in that place. I mean, I was representing financial institutions, banks that were, were not very popular in 2010, 2011. It's still not very popular. But I was a believer. And we can't have just a bunch of lawyers who are not Christians. We need Christians out there too, you know? So I was like, I can be honorable. I can, be, I can live in holiness and integrity. I can, you know, I still have to zealously represent my client. That's an ethical obligation. But... I can do so in, in a way that, that, that represents God and justice, right? And so, you know, I started, married my wife in 2014, Jennifer, and we felt called to the nation. So I'm still in this like, okay, I'm ready to go, but I'm not ready yet. And so I started interceding for the nations. I started just streaming IHOP prayer room and interceding with them for the, the you know, around the world. Like, hey, I'm up here. I'm working all day. I'm just going to start praying because that's how you build a heart for a nation. You know, that's how you get a heart for somewhere is to start praying for them, praying for them, praying for them. Start learning a language if you feel called to the nations. That's the way you can carry a prophetic word. Start preparing for it. I was like, well, we're going to, I'm gonna start leading teams to the streets of Atlanta too. So we, that's when we started doing that and we were going to the hospitals. And so now in, in 2000, gosh, it was 2015, we've been married one year and my wife and I felt like, hey, we should go to harvest school in Iris in Mozambique. And it was gonna be crazy because you know I was two years away from making, probably making, most likely making partner in my law firm and things were good. We were living in Atlanta, but I felt like I'm supposed to, you know, like we're, we're going. So we, I went and told my boss, I was like, hey, I hate to do this. And I really honor you, but I feel like we're called to the nations and we're going to go. And you know what he told me? I'm not going to argue with God. <laughs> I was like, all right. And I think that was from five years of just demonstrating that, you know, and then being that he could understand that. And um, now he's been one of my close supporters and friends through this process. But um, we went to Mozambique with intent to be in the nation, to be in Latin America. We both have a, had a heart for Latin America. We spoke Spanish. We felt called. It wasn't Mexico at that time, but we went on an outreach to Mexico for two weeks. With, um, and, and some of you here know Arturo and Emily. There are co-missionaries down there. They're incredible. Arturo is a national, and Emily is an American, and they've just been working the ground for six years. But we showed up, and in two weeks in Mexico, we saw more miracles than we saw the entire three months we were in Mozambique. And we were like, wow, God is doing something in Mexico. And it's just close to, to where we are. So we came back here for three months. We just were in Bethel. We were going to like the Runner Bonke Crusade and seeing Todd White and seeing Danny Silk and all these amazing things were happening. And we felt the Lord said, it's time. You're, you're getting, you know, filled up and it's time to go. So in April 2016, we moved to Mexico. Um, within, I think, three months later, Jen, we found out Jennifer was pregnant. And um, we've been there ever since. And we come home about every six months. So... The process led us to Mexico, and it was hard at the time. At the times, I was like, God, I do not want to be in this office. I don't want to be here. But the Lord was like, no, you're there for a reason. You're there for a reason. Keep, keep honoring, keep stewarding the word. Keep, keep, keep doing what I've called you to do. And so now we're in Mexico, and all the things that we are carrying is now coming to fruition. We have a hospital outreach in Mexico now. Well, those years of leading teams, now I know how to lead teams on the streets of Mexico. Now I know how to, how to interact with hospital staff to get favor. See, that's things you don't really learn. It's hard to learn on the fly some of that stuff. We have a ministry with women in prostitution. 
Well, we learned for a year in Atlanta how to minister to those women and how to love them, how to honor them, and how to protect them. So when we got to Mexico, guess what? That was my wife's, that's one of her main ministries. We knew how to lead teams and train them to go in there and not cause more harm, not exploit them again, not cause them to feel judged, but to come in there and demonstrate the love of God. And we've been going there consistently for two years. We have, we've seen many salvations. Now it's a process, but we're seeing salvations. We're seeing healings. We've seen, um, I was just going to share, we found out this recently, this story, and I want to share, it's pretty amazing. Um, a woman came up to us. Actually, uh, the books were with us, and they shared. And if you've ever gotten a hug from Ron and Carolyn Book, it's amazing. And we allowed the women to come receive hugs from them in the, in the area where there's prostitution. And it was, all of them came up to get hugs, in like 100, you know, 100 women. And it was amazing. But um, that we've, somebody came up to us afterwards and said, you know, you always talk about healing and God and how he heals. And you always ask to you know, you hear prayer for healing. And my sister had cancer. And... I was like, you know, those, those people that come and see us always, always say Jesus heals. So you know what I'm going to do? If this Jesus heals, I'm going to pray for her to be healed in Jesus' name. Now, that would offend some religious types because this prostitute, who I don't know if she's a Christian or not at that time, went to pray for her sister in Jesus' name for healing. But she did. Well, her sister went back for an x-ray and the cancer was gone. <laughs> Completely gone. She's like, so I know you're real. So that's happening. Um, recently, um, in the area of healing recently, I, my time's running short. So recently, in, um, I was at a meeting. So I don't know if you heard about the earthquakes that were down. And uh, I'm sure they shared some here about what happened. Because thank you, Bethel. We, y'all sent, um, I think, somewhere, something like 2,000 Bibles to us from, for purpose of evangelism. Because we had many doors open when an earthquake shook the city. Many people that never would open the door to, 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 to Christians to, to come preach opened the door because they were desperate for something. You know, they wanted something real and they wanted hope. And so y'all donated about 2,000 Bibles to us, so thank you. I don't know if you knew that, but it's been an amazing tool for us to preach the gospel. And, um, but we have two guys that are translators. Some of you know them, Syene and Memo. And they, their house, their language school was completely destroyed by the earthquake, completely destroyed. Like they lost their home, their school. Well, three days later, I'm, I'm, I've been asked to go preach at, in another city for their year, two-year anniversary. And it's a big deal to be, it's an honor to be asked to do that. And you really don't want to cancel it because it, it'd be really hard for them to find someone else. And I was like, I need one of those guys to go with me to translate. But they just lost their home. They're literally in shorts and t-shirts because their clothes are in a destroyed building. And they're like, we're going with you. We're going. I was like, are you sure? They're like, yeah, we're going. So these guys get in the car with me. And I'm like, man. They're wearing shorts and stuff, but I don't care. I think we have a good story. We have a good explanation because some people struggle with that in the churches to wear shorts, but it's not a problem here, but in other places. But so we get there and I'm like, man, I think these guys are gonna release something. They're just gonna, you know, they're gonna go nuts because they've just had everything taken from them and they're still doing the things for, of God. They're still out praying for the sick. And we start ministering before the message. It's just during a time of like, like we felt the presence come. We're like, all right, let's just start praying for people. People line up and people start falling out. I look over and my translators are just praying for guys and, and people and they're just falling out under the presence of God. And, and some of you have experienced that. Some of you haven't. We're not pushing them. <laughs> Trust me, we, we pray like this. Like, and people just fall down. And my guys who are my translators I've been working with discipling are just carrying this, this anointing, this power and they're seeing God move and they're sharing their testimony and people are crying and are touched because they're there at their church ministering. Well, I see a woman and she looks like she might have a cap on because she's undergoing some sort of chemo. And I asked someone, yeah, she's, under, she's visiting. She came for healing prayer because she heard you were gonna be here. I was like, wow, all right. 
Okay, let's pray for her. Someone told her, and she said she had a tumor in her breast. And I was like, all right, well, let's pray for that. So I just say, in Jesus' name, be healed. Dissolve in Jesus' name. Under the glory of God, dissolve. Just touch her shoulder, pray. Simple prayer. I said, what do you feel? She goes, a lot of heat, a lot of heat in Spanish. But it was a lot of heat. And she felt heat in all her body. And I'm like, well, that's good, I think. That's, <laughs> so heat is usually good. And I said, let's pray again. And the heat was increasing. And I said, will you go to the bathroom and check out? Because we've seen where tumors have dissolved, literally just disappeared. And I know that stresses some of you, but, you know, that person knows that if they have a tumor, they don't anymore. She goes to the bathroom, comes back, and goes, I can't find it. And I was like, all right, awesome, but let's get a doctor's report on this one. Because I just don't want to hype. I don't. So three weeks go by, and I'm going to do an outreach in a remote village. And I'm on the bus, and I see the pastor from this church. And I, I don't get to talk to him on the ride there. And I just kind of go up to him casually. I'm like, man, he, since he didn't tell me, he must, must, the woman must have not been healed. And I was like, Pastor, what happened with that lady? He goes, oh, she's healed. I was like, what? She went to the doctor and he said, no, he took her off chemo. She's healed. The tumor's gone. The cancer's gone from her body. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> so I began to release that testimony about tumors dissolving over, and we've seen it a lot, but over, and we started having more meetings and, and it's happened a lot with women. They were coming up and they were not finding cysts and growths and tumors in their breasts and other parts of their body. But God was doing this, and he's doing it now. And I'm going to have to wrap up. So I just, I couldn't share everything I wanted to. If you want to stick around for the second service, I'm going to share more. I think I have a little more time there, and I'll probably do something a little different. But um, yeah, em embrace the process. If you're going for healing, you're going, you want to hear God's voice, you want to be a missionary, that, that's the call. Like, I love missions. I say go, like go. But also sometimes you have to wait. And sometimes that's right now. Like you're in a place that you're not ready to go and God's doing something in your heart. Embrace it. Prepare, carry the dream, but prepare and focus on what's around you because he's not gonna waste anything that's going on around you. Those years that feel like they're in the desert, so to speak, are not being wasted. That's when Jesus was empowered, was in the desert. He came out in power after the desert, you know? So embrace that time. So if everybody could just stand up. If I could get, uh, I don't think we have much time to do keys, but... Um, If, I just, if you could just extend your hands like you're receiving a gift. Close your eyes if, if you feel like it, but I think it's, it helps you get in a posture of receiving. Don't focus on anybody around you. Just focus on Jesus. He's in front of you because we're two or three gathered in his name. He's there, so he's here right now. He's in me. <laughs> and I just believe right now he's just going to be touching people. Just be in a posture of receiving. Try to just receive. Come on, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Right now. Come, Holy Spirit. I feel like there's people here that are feeling heat in their bodies. And that's the Holy Spirit empowering you. He's removing fear from some of your lives. And my wife says specifically, there's people here who are businessmen or women that are in the corporate world. And you have high stress and anxiety from your job. And the Lord's removing that from you right now. I have authority over this because I carried that for a while and the Lord freed me of it. If you have anxiety or stress from work, receive peace right now from the Prince of Peace. His kingdom is peace, which means you don't have to live with that fear. You don't have to live with that anxiety or that stress or that worry or preoccupation. Right now, in Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. There's people that feel called to the nations in this church, because this is a sending church. There's going to be more, unfortunately, pastors. You're going to be sending more out in the next couple of years. Fortunately and unfortunately. 
But good, we're a church of empowerment, and there's people that are being empowered, and you're going to have encounters with the Holy Spirit. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. If you feel called to be a missionary, we come to the front right now. I'm going to do this quickly. I'm just going to lay hands on you very quickly. But if you feel called to be a missionary, and it could be a missionary to a, a, a different ethnic group or in this city, or it could be a missionary to... I just feel like there's a real empowerment right now. Sorry. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Just receive. Don't focus on me. I'm not anything special. I just said yes. We just said yes. If you want to, pastors, can you? Yeah. Just say yes. We cancel that fear right now. We cancel that doubt right now. If it's financial, we break that thing in half. Our dad is rich. He's rich. Instrumental debt, he can take care of that. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. There's steps that you're supposed to take and I think you're supposed to take steps. Just Some of you, it's like you're saying yes, but there's a step and it's a small step, but you have to take it. A step of obedience. And then there's another step and then there's another step. Right now, I just release right now. Come Holy Spirit, just... Right now, just bring peace and visions to these, these ones in the front, these ones that feel called. I just release visions right now. The Lord will like put nations and people in your heart and that he will give you compassion for these people. Compassion. In Jesus' name. Come on, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Some of you, mm. come Holy Spirit, more, more, more. More Holy Spirit, more. Yeah. More, Lord. More. More, Lord. Just stay in that position of receiving. We have to wrap up for the next service. Um, I just wanted to say, I think someone with pain in the right ear God wants to heal you. It might be a deafness, but I think it's actually a pain. Maybe it's an infection or something in the right ear. Uh, the team up here would love to pray for you. And also someone with, I think you have a tennis elbow or some sort of or arthritis or some sort of issue in the ligaments in the left elbow. We want to pray for you. So come find someone from the team or me in the front. And the rest, I'm going to keep praying. I'll dress them after. Everything changes when you Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.